Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwat. And for the first time since we were nine years old, Horwat, the Pittsburgh Penguins will miss the Stanley Cup playoffs. They were eliminated from contention last night as the New York Islanders defeated the Montreal Canadiens 4-2 in route to clinching the final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And like we just mentioned, the Penguins will officially miss the playoffs for the first time since 2006. When I say that, Horowat, before we get into the rest of our episode, we're going to talk, you know, which Penguins could be skating their last game tonight against Columbus, which front office members or coaching staff members could be in their last game as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight. We'll talk about all of that a little bit later. But when I say... First missed playoff since 2006. What runs through your mind? Uh, honestly, the first one is <clears throat> it's the outcome we all saw coming, right? This season. It was a lot of this team doesn't deserve to go. It was a lot of this team should make it because of these reasons. Well, here we are. And I'm not going to say whether we deserved to make it or not. I'm just going to say it was the outcome that we all were expecting once the third four-game losing streak hit or once... Jeff Carter was it was realized what his situation was in this team and once it was realized that this bottom six this defense this gold tending there were so many attributes that went into this expected outcome I mean we all knew this wasn't going to last forever uh, but I don't think we expected it to end in a season where Crosby put up another put up another point per game pace where Malkin played all 82 where Latang continued to stay at the top of his game despite all of the nonsense. Uh, where Ricard Raquel and Jason Zucker both had phenomenal seasons. Bounce, eh, not bounce back for Raquel, but uh, bounce back for Zucker and just a continuation from Raquel. Where Jake Gensel had a down year, quote unquote, for 30 something goals. Uh, it just wasn't expected to happen like this. It was all of the things that could go wrong did. And. We sit here today with this vigil, and, you know, everyone gets a long summer. Everyone can start making tea times, booking vacations, but, I mean, don't we all want to be playing hockey into, into late April? Yeah, it is going to be a long summer for, for most, but I will say this. 
the tip of the iceberg and Penguins to go will continue into the summer. So we we don't take a break here at the tip of the iceberg. We continue on and we'll give you Penguins content through the summer as you would like to consume it, of course. We hope that you stay with us the entire year round, but we shall see what happens with the Stanley Cup playoffs, which we'll be discussing starting on Tuesday's episode. But just to give you a slight understanding of how long it really has been since the Pittsburgh Penguins didn't make the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm going to say what else was happening back in 2006. Sidney Crosby was just finishing his rookie season at the age of 18 years old. So there's the Penguins related one. Crazy by Gnarls Barkley was the top song on the music charts during the playoffs of 2006. Don't you feel crazy? <laughs> Watching this team a little bit. Mission Impossible 3 was the number one box office movie. They're currently getting ready to release the seventh one of the Mission Impossible franchise. Also, <laughs> which, uh, let's say, which Fast and Furious were they on back then? Uh, that's a, that's one I, I didn't look up, but I will say another movie franchise had their second iteration released later that summer, Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest. The initial Davy Jones movie was released later that year, and the Pittsburgh Steelers had just beaten the Seattle Seahawks a few months prior to win Super Bowl Forty in Jerome Bettis' last game. So the last time the Pittsburgh Penguins missed the playoffs was about three months after Jerome Bettis played his last NFL game. It's astonishing thinking of thinking of the things that have that were going on in the world back then. I mean, I saw someone tweet the iPhone wasn't even invented yet. Um, mm. I believe it was Crazy by Norris Barkley was the top song in the UK, and I believe the top song in the US was Bad Day by Dan Danny Pewter or whatever. And also, by the way, aren't you aren't we all having a bad day? I just like how that lined up perfectly. Um, yeah, I mean, 2006. That's like the year The Office debuted, I believe. <laughs> and nobody watched it. Uh, I mean, I, a lot of people watched it, but most most caught people on later. Learned of that because of yeah, Netflix. They caught on to it later too. I mean, that, that everyone on that show always talks about how uh, every season they went into the season not knowing if they were going to finish it. Um, and Friends was like mm -hmm. two years removed from being on TV. So <laughs> there's a lot of holy cow that was a long time ago uh, things that can be discussed with this streak and. I, it was the longest in North American sports. It was the longest active streak in North American sports. It didn't. It didn't hit the numbers we all wanted it to. I think we all, deep down inside, no matter how brutal it may have looked, wanted to hit that 25 mark, like the Red Wings. But, I mean that that would take a lot more doing, a lot more pushing. Yeah, the, that's a so far down the line that that would have been post Crosby, post Malkin. That would have been a very very difficult task. But I, but we thought it could have been possible this season. And then we have the discussions that we were probably... Regardless, like we talked about this before too. Whether they missed the playoffs or made the first round and lost, these same discussions that we're going to have today, Monday, and for the weeks to come, we're still going to have. Mm -hmm. So we just get to have them a little sooner. I'm a little less prepared for them. But so be it. We're here to have these discussions. And the changes are on the horizon. They have to be. Oh yeah, uh, missing the playoffs is is a big deal for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not as much as I, I feel like it is. Actually, you know what? Probably more so than the Pittsburgh Steelers because it's. I'm not going to say easier to make the playoffs in the NFL. It's not easier to make the playoffs in the NFL. Um, 
That's where I was going with it. It's easier to make the playoffs in the NHL than it is in the NFL. Uh, so especially when it's been as automatic as it has been for the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, them missing the playoffs is a massive, massive red flag to ownership is what most people are hoping. But let's move on and talk a little bit about Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin because both of them have had tremendous seasons. Crosby, 91 points and 33 goals in 81 games played. Evgeny Malkin, over a point per game as well, 83 points, 27 goals in 81 games played. And as you mentioned yesterday to Sir Sidney himself, this is going to be the first time that Crosby and Malkin play all 82 games of a regular season together and they will still end up missing the playoffs. Here's what Sidney Crosby had to say on that little tidbit. I, I didn't even know that. Um, it's nice. I mean, uh, I'd take 81 in a playoff spot, to be with you. Um, but I, you know, it's, uh, it's nice. It's not, always, uh, it's not always an easy thing. There's been some times I think we've got to 81 and maybe arrested the last one, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's not easy to stay healthy. It's a competitive season, so you know, that's uh, you know, it's a nice thing. He mentioned it there. It's not easy to stay healthy, and injuries have been something that have plagued the Pittsburgh Penguins throughout the Crosby and Malkin era, whether it's to one of those two guys, hence the reason this is the first time ever that both of them play the entire 82-game season, and also really to the rest of the team. Yes, the Penguins dealt with injuries. Yes, for a while there in the latter stages of the season, four of their initial six defensemen were on the injured reserve, but relatively, the Penguins were healthy this season, more so than they have been in years past, and they still couldn't get it done. It stings to know that. It stings to know that the big three, well, Crosby and Malkin at least, stayed healthy. Jake Gensel stayed healthy. Jason Zucker stayed healthy. Ricard Raquel played in almost every game. I'm pretty sure he actually has played in every game. Uh, same goes for Brian Rust. To have the top tier of players, except for maybe Latang, all play the entire season and still not make the playoffs is uh, is a tough pill to swallow for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It is. It's probably the hardest part of the season. I mean, so far through 81 games, Crosby, Malkin, Raquel, Dumoulin are all <clears throat> have all played 81 games. Dumoulin, for what it's worth, you know, has been healthy, and that's not something we could have said a few years ago. You know, it's just not. He was an injured player for a long time. Brian Russ has only missed one game. Jeff Carter has only missed three. Um, you know, Zucker and Gensel only missed four. It, we've had a relatively healthy season. Uh, for what it's worth, considering how battered and bruised this team usually is. And when the injuries came for this team, they came all at once, right? It was all the defensemen at once. It was a lot of the bottom six forwards at once. I mean, there was that point in the season, though, where we were discussing, hey, this is the longest streak of a fully healthy roster that we've had since... <laughs> It was it was a longer. It was like streak six than, games, but yeah. It was a longer streak than our playoff run, though. It was for the first time since like 2001 that we've had this many straight games of fully healthy roster. So, it was a healthier season that we still managed to get this kind of downfall, and it sucks. And you know that line of I'd rather have 81 in a playoff spot is exactly what I expected Sid to say. Uh, but I'm glad he said it, and I'm glad we got it, and he's right. I think we would all rather have that too, and the other part of that of his quote that he said, um, he thought there was points where, uh, like, 
you know, maybe they played 81 and then rested for the postseason. I don't think they did. I don't even think that was the situation. I think, looking back at some of the numbers at least, I lined up obviously the 82. The three of them have only played 82 three times. Or the two of them have only done it three times between the two of them. Um, I don't think it lined up well enough for it to be an 81-81 even. I think there was an injury somewhere along the way every time someone completed a season. So that shows how bad and bruised those guys are too. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact that Sidney Crosby has sat the last game of the regular season, but I don't know if Malkin has. Uh, I know Crosby has in, in those two. situations. Yeah, I just like I said, I, like I told you before, Malkin played his 82 games in back-to-back years. Um, 07, 08. Don't remember what happened that. Oh, is that the Crosby high ankle sprain year? I believe it was because it was the first year they went to the Cup final. Yeah, and then 08, 09, uh, Malkin again played. Uh, all 82. That was his heart year. I don't know. Oh, no, it wasn't his heart year. came in second. No. This is Art Ross year. But regardless, I'm getting off topic here. Um, I just don't think those lined up either. I mean, Malkin has played well under 80 for a majority of his career. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah, the one injury that did really hurt the Pittsburgh Penguins the most this year, and it's going to be the biggest what-if, or one of the biggest what-ifs about the Pittsburgh Penguins season in 2022-23, is what if Tristan Jari didn't have the hip injury? Yeah. Because that is, as far as we know, what you can tie to all of his missed app, like his missed games. We don't know if it was connected to his physical issues earlier in the season. I would imagine, considering they called it a chronic hip injury, that that's what was plaguing him early in the season and then it just escalated to the point where on period one of the winter classic it it reached a breaking point and from then on he just he wasn't the same we started to see him get a little bit better here in recent weeks but then Tuesday's game once again just a, a poor performance from from Tristan Jari in a gotta have it moment so you don't know how much of that was the injury Apparently he's been healthy. That's what we're being told from everybody. Uh, but if if that is the case, then once again he just he can't stand the spotlight and he he fell apart when the game mattered most. Yep, that's gonna be one of those discussions we have all season, all all off season, all summer. Just until something happens with him, it's gonna be the discussion. It's probably gonna be a name we bring up every episode at least once. Just yeah. what do we do with Jari? What happened to Jari? What? Does his future look like? What kind of things does he say at locker cleanout day in a couple days? Who this? There's going to be a lot of discussions around a lot of players, and he's going to be the focal point of I would say all of it, most of it. Just mm-hmm. there's going to be discussions around Jeff Carter, yes, but ugh. there's going to be discussions around you know until decisions are made, Jason Zucker and Brian Dumoulin. But until decisions are made. You know, wait, there's not much we can say. Tristan Jari, though, is there's the big what if, there's the injuries, there's the this, there's the that. It's going to be the discussion of the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Certainly going to be one of the premier areas that the Pittsburgh Penguins need to address, whether that be with re-signing Tristan Jari or going in another direction via either trade or free agency. So we will talk about that, obviously, as things come up during the offseason. We're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, our lasting impressions of the 2022-23 Pittsburgh Penguins with one game to go. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. The Pittsburgh Penguins still have one game remaining on their schedule. Later this evening, they take on the Columbus Blue Jackets over there in Ohio, expecting a large contingency of Penguins fans, despite the fact that the Penguins will be missing the playoffs for the first time since 2006. But Horwat, before we talk a little bit about the players and who could be playing their last game in a Penguins uniform, your lasting impressions of the 2022-23 Penguin season with one game remaining will be what? Uh, oh, man. It's hard to say. <laughs> it's You look at it as the end of an era, but it's not the end of the era. It's it's really not. It's an end of a, streak a mini little era in Penguins hockey where I would say it's not even the streak. Like the streak is something, an overarching storyline throughout the Crosby and Malkin era. But I would also argue that, you know, the era is Crosby and Malkin and it's not making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, it's the end of that 16 year era of always having extra hockey to play, always having more to look forward to in the spring. I think this season, I mean, you just put it as it was tumultuous. There was a lot of stuff that didn't need to happen. There was a lot of, I don't know, I can say turmoil necessarily, but there was a lot of unhappy campers um, <laughs> from October until now. I mean, that first seven-game losing streak started in October. Yeah. Even uh, it, there was po- there were points then where. <laughs> I'm sure there's people questioning the um, validity of their playoff status in October where you had that discussion and then you remembered who's on this team and go, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin aren't going to let that happen. Funny thing is, they still did not let that happen. Yeah. Even even in the Chicago game. There's a lot of people saying that, oh, Sid didn't do enough in the Chicago game. Sid didn't do this. Evgeny Malkin didn't do that. Okay, well, Evgeny Malkin scored in that game. Tied the game up. We thought we had it back. Sidney Crosby had seven shots at one point. I think he had seven shots like the first two periods. That man was doing everything he could to put uh, that put to put the Penguins in good standing in this play in that playoff race. He had eight shots and goal in the entire game. Eight. Is that a season high? Please say it's a season high. Because if it is, then that's just you. There's nothing you can say about. He had nine against Nashville. Of course he did. <laughs> But he had eight. That's a season high. Tied the season high for him. Don't know what more he could have done. Peter Mrazek stood on his head. I'm not even going to say the Penguins got goalied because that third period was a disaster anyway. But um, it's it just goes to show that he did everything he could. This is not on Crosby. This is not on Malkin. This downfall is not on those three. It's not even on the top six. It's a lot more that goes into this, so 
my you know what you know what my lasting impression of this season is anger. There it is. I found it because it finally just flew out of me. I'm angry, <laughs> and it's not at Crosby. It's not at Malkin. It's not at Latang. It is at a couple of names in the bottom six. It is at a few in the def- in the defensive core, goaltending, front office. Far too Most many people team. to be anger- angry at. Yeah, most of the team. Yes. Uh, that's, that's the problem. It's, it's not just one issue. It's not just two issues. It's most of the team that has been the issue this season. Um, that's not my lasting impression. I will say on the Crosby thing from, from Tuesday's game, I do think he could have done better. Sure. I'm not going to say he didn't try. Eight shots on goal is fine, but how many of those shots on goal were just throwing them at the net? I mean, I get it. You have to do it to a certain extent, but I don't think anybody on that team really got any great chances against Peter Morazic. And you could say, yeah, Malkin scored, but you I, know. I mean, I that's would... on the pa- that's on the fourth power play opportunity. That's the yeah. first power play that they actually did anything. Yeah. So I would while say Sid had... I don't blame them for missing the playoffs. I, I'm not going to say they're absolved from that performance on Tuesday because nobody on that team should be. Yeah, you're right. I'm not even saying that. You know, everyone was perfect. I'm not gonna say Sid was perfect in that game. His eight shots were eight shots. Some of them may have been duds. There was a few though that I can remember were great chances. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's the breakaway chance. There was the one-time chance. There was there was a good number of chances that Sid had to do something, but um, he did. I'll digress there. And anger also may be the response of ah, we're a spoiled fan base. I'm allowed to yeah, be a little angry, too. I don't know. I just I you're, feel You're angry. 12 hours removed from finding out that they're going to miss the playoffs for the first time since you were nine years old. Yeah. It's expected to be, like, it, it, it is a quick turnaround, and that's why we do it, because it's, it's raw reaction. We don't have three days to sit down and think about it. We just come out and we talk about it. But here's the thing. What Crosby did on Tuesday, while he had opportunities, he missed his opportunities. And that's my lasting, rep- like, my lasting impression of this entire team is missed opportunities. An entire year of them. Countless, countless blown third-period leads. When it comes down to it, the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to miss the playoffs by... If they win tonight, they miss the playoffs by one point. You blew how many third-period leads, especially three of them, to the New York Islanders, the team that makes the playoffs over you. Losses to the bottom half teams that would have severely improved your playoff chances just in the past couple of weeks. Chicago being the most memorable, of course, that's going to be the one that sticks out in everybody's mind because if they won that game, right now they'd be sitting in a position where, hey, we beat Columbus and we're in the playoffs. So I get that. But not showing up against Detroit. Not showing up against Montreal a couple weeks ago. There's a lot of these instances where the Pittsburgh Penguins just did not show up prepared to play a hockey game in a game that if they would have shown up, probably would have won. Or at the very least, probably would have gotten a point which would have put them over the hump. While I wish it was a year of milestones, and that's what I would remember, right? Like Crosby, 1,500 points. Malkin and Letang each hit their 1,000th game. Jason Zucker had an incredible season, one of his best seasons of his career, and he's one of my favorite players on this team. But the lasting impression is going to be missed opportunities led to a missed playoff for the first time since 2006 and it's unfortunate but that's what's going to be remembered about the 2022-23 penguins it is yeah it is <clears throat> the lasting impression like, like ask me this again in a week i might have a different answer yeah like, of course. It's, we got eliminated 12 hours ago <laughs> it's it, it, and i slept for most of that so we haven't had time to digest <laughs> this whole and we still have a game to play 
We still have something to... The work isn't done yet, either. Like, that's the even sadder part. It's... You know, there's a lot of emotions. You know, anger's one of them. Depression is one of them. I feel like all stages of grief are being had by many Penguins fans right now, and... It's... It's gonna be okay. This I feel like this team can come back next season, rebuilt, retooled, I guess I should say, Oof. and be better. I mean, and they were the bar good... is the bar is low in certain areas of this lineup to be better. Yeah, I was gonna say like it's not like this team was bad this year either. I mean, you they they're mediocre, right? It's not like they were bad. If they were bad. They'd be we'd be discussing. All right, what are our odds for Connor Bedard? It's we weren't bad. We had good spurts we had good runs had one good run <laughs> and we saw everyone at one point or another minus a handful of names namely teddy bluger comes to mind ironically who just couldn't ever put it together everyone had something had some spark at some point bottom six i know we discusses sucked a lot this season but <laughs> I think at least in like the first handful of games, I think Jeff Carter had a couple of goals. Dan Heinen was had enough oomph to get some to get to the promotion to the first line. It, mm-hmm. At some point or another, everyone on this team did something. Ultimately, everything else settled in. It's ah, Penguins hockey. This season's hey. Penguins hockey just defined right. It's mm-hmm. it's the anger. It's the it's the disappointing, it's the missed opportunities. Yep. Missed opportunities is the one that really is going to stick out in my mind. Uh, even if you ask me in a week, if you ask me in a month, I'm going to say the same thing. Yeah, missed opportunities because how can you not? I mean, what was it? 17, 18, 19 blown, blown leads. Half of those or maybe more in the third period of the game. Uh, you have to be able to close out games to make the playoffs. You have to be able to close out games to be anything in this league. Pittsburgh Penguins just weren't able to do that. But they do have one last chance. To leave a lasting impression, although I'm pretty sure most people will think of the Chicago Blackhawks game as the end of the season, they do have one more game tonight against the Columbus Blue Jackets. It'll be the first game of the Big Three era, where they're playing a game knowing it's the last game of the season without the playoffs. It's always fitting when the big moments are the penultimate moment, right? Mm-hmm. Big Ben's and, retirement and it, game. Oh, he had another game afterwards. Yeah. Penguins eliminated from the playoffs. Ah, oh, they had another game afterwards. It's always fitting this way. It's interesting, though, because the only other game of the Big Three era where they knew it was definitely the last game of the season was Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals in 2009 against the Detroit Red Wings. Very different feel to that game than to Penguins-Blue Jackets Game 82 uh, when neither team is going to be making the playoffs and one team is looking to try to clinch the last spot in the league and the best odds to take away uh, Connor Bedard. But... I will ask you this, Horwat. Which players will be skating in their last game as a Penguin? I'm going to go down this list of names. Just give me a yes or no. We'll go through it, and then we'll move on to the next segment because there's a lot to talk about in that next segment. So I'm just going to name the player. You tell me if it's his last game as a Pittsburgh Penguin. Dmitry Kulikov. A thousand percent, yes. Yes, I agree. Danton Heinen. Probably yes. I'm going to say yes. Josh Archibald. That one's questionable. I feel like probably, though. Probably no? Or probably yes. Probably though. uh, Probably though. Okay. I'm going to say no. I think they end up bringing Josh Archibald back. Ryan Paling. 
Oh, no, he'll be back. I agree. No, that's not his last game. Nick Benino. Sadly, yes. Yes, I agree. It's probably his last game. Mikhail Granlund has two years left on his contract at $5 million. Will this be his last game as a Penguin? Depends on who's in ownership or who's in management. Uh, I bet he comes back. I bet no, or no, this is not his last game, sadly. I think this is his last game as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight. Ooh. I do. Because I, like I think that. anybody that has watched him, other than maybe Ron Hextall, because he's the one that has you know his stamp of approval on the move, I think anybody that's watched him over the past 21 games, when they come in, if they're the new general manager, they're going to say, I don't need that guy on my roster. Right? I think they'll, they'll, they'll try to move on from a Kyle Granlin, so I think this will be his last game as a Penguin. Jeff Carter. Oh, it's definitely not his last game. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's a way you're getting out of that contract. Jason Zucker. Um. <clears throat> oh, man. I I hope it's not his last game. I don't think it is. He's played too well to not deserve a new deal here. When you're trying to restructure this team, there's going to be some tough decisions that they have to make. Jason Zucker deserves the bag this summer. Penguins aren't going to be able to give it to him. Probably not. <clears throat> Probably not. Last game as a Penguin tonight. Brian Dumoulin. Uh, oh, yeah. It's been his... It's We knew this was going to be his last season here like all year. Nope. Oh, are you bringing him back? Career season? I'm not bringing him oh. back. I, I am not bringing him back. But $4.1 million is clearly not what he's going to be asking to come back. He's played his entire career in Pittsburgh. I guarantee you he's going to want to continue to play his career in Pittsburgh alongside Chris Letang. I think he resigns for less money, but I do think you see Brian Dublin back on this team next year. I'm going to hit you with the same response you gave me for Zucker. When you want to rebuild this team, that's one of the guys that has to go. It just is. I don't know who's out there to replace him. Oh, wait, uh, Marcus Patterson's out there to replace him. Yeah, well, the only difference between those two is Brian Dublin's going to be asking for less money than he currently makes, and Jason Zucker can probably ask for more. Already And already made about a million dollars more. Hey, you know what? I... I Give Zucker the Dumoulin contract and then add a couple bucks to it. We're going to have a little bit of cap space this summer. Give Zucker the Dumoulin contract. You want him to take a $1 million pay cut? I said add a, I said add, I said add a couple bucks to it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like Jason Zucker, the only way he comes back is if he wants to come back. And there's a chance that he could want to go and cash out on his last opportunity at a really good contract because he had almost a career year and stayed healthy through it. Uh, whereas Brian Dumoulin, it's almost like the uh, the Danton Heinen thing where, yeah, he might be able to make a couple more bucks somewhere else, but why do that and change everything in your life when you could come back to Pittsburgh? So I feel like Dumoulin would take less money, maybe even, I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to say I'm going to be a league minimum player, but I think he would probably come back at under the $2 million cap hit. Whether that's worth it is a discussion for another day because there's one last player that I haven't mentioned that I want to, throw into this segment here Tristan Jari is he playing his last game as a Pittsburgh Penguin tonight I think so I think so I, I think agree. I know the and this is gonna be a little diatribe and then we can move on I, that third goal against Chicago I know it wasn't as egregious as the mistake from the double overtime period against the New York Islanders but it had similar aura had similar vibes to it right he's out of the net what's he doing out of the net oh he misplayed something and it's in the back of our net i think that play i don't 
I I don't I think that play sealed it. I think that play in particular. I know it wasn't as bad as the New York Islanders mishap. I know it's not as bad as some of the other things he's done this year. But I, I and I don't even know if that's like I'm not a goalie goalie. I have never played goalie. I don't know if that's the proper play on that kind of situation. It didn't feel like it though, right? Any any play that ends up in the back of your net isn't the proper play in that situation. I feel like something may have. I I don't know what went wrong, but I feel like that sealed the deal here. He's done. Mm-hmm. I think that it is his last game as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you mentioned that goal, and that is a big reason why, because that was the dagger on the Penguin season. If you're down two to one, you believe the Pittsburgh Penguins can can get one goal, but when you go down three to one after giving up two straight goals, after how hard the Pittsburgh Penguins worked just to get one. Yeah, that was the dagger on the Pittsburgh Penguin season. They weren't scoring two more goals in that game. 20-something seconds apart, too. Yeah. It wasn't even a full half minute. 20-some seconds later, a puck gets dumped in. Like I said, I don't know the play. I don't I don't know how you're supposed to play that. It wasn't dumped in. That. I mean, Athanasio came in and, and shot the puck, and he made a save on the first one, but he was just out of position uh, to make the second save. Yeah, it's... And it, it, it just looked bad. It like looked The, it looked the optics awkward. were yeah. awful. Yeah, it's... There was something up there. It's... Like I said, it had similar vibes to that Aaron pass straight to why do I forget the name? But Josh Bailey. To Josh Bailey. Just it gave that kind of vibe. Just have it. Have it. And when when we needed him most. Yeah, I'm not gonna say that he's a hundred percent gone. I do believe that he probably is, but at the same time, I do think there's still a chance that they say, you know what? He was injured most of this season. They're going to allocate a lot of that. Now, is he going to make as much money as he would have if he came out and he played well this season? No. But you look at the other players that the same conversation happened last offseason. Jason Zucker. Well, should they trade him? He can't stay healthy, so why keep him? He comes back, has almost a career season. Evgeny Malkin. The people that were pounding the table for them to move on from Malkin and sign Vinny Trocek and and sign Andrew Kopp or whoever were saying, why would you sign Evgeny Malkin? He hasn't played over 70 games since whatever year. Well, he's played 81 games this season and has scored 83 points, right? So there's recent history of just because there's one injury one year or maybe even a history or string of injuries over a couple of seasons does not deter at least this front office and really around the NHL doesn't deter many front offices because they don't take that unless it's something that, hey, you're trying to come back currently from an injury. That's one where it's like, Maybe they won't, but Tristan Jari is going into the offseason pretty much healthy. Yeah. Go, yeah. So I, I do think that there's still a chance. If I had to put a percentage on it, and this is probably going to get clipped from somewhere when they re-sign him, but I'm going to say it's probably 80% chance that he is gone, 20% chance that he stays. Yeah. I don't know who we could get in replacement, but that's I agree with you. Yeah. So that is... The players that we believe could be playing their last game tonight as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But as we've mentioned several times on this episode, the players are not the only people to blame. We'll talk about the front office and the coaching staff to close out this show right after the break. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry only on BlueNile.com. 
Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Horwat, we've talked the players, we've talked lasting impressions we've talked just in general what what happened the last time the penguins missed the playoffs pirates of the caribbean dead man's chest to me is still the best pirates of the caribbean movie and there's no question about it i I hope you concur to that me i've never seen one okay well then you know what this is the last episode of tip of the iceberg podcast because i don't know if i can go on with you considering you haven't seen pirates of the caribbean i I am appalled i feel like you've known this i'm not a movie guy I know you're not a movie guy, but come on. Pirates of the Caribbean, like, I don't know. That's appalling to me. I know of them. Like, I mean, there's that. I know okay. of them. I've well, seen I would, bits and pieces, obviously, because I'm... I would, I would hope you know of them. It's one of the most popular movie franchises in our lifetime. But um, but let's move on from that topic right there, because I don't know. I'm just, I'm upset now, Horwat. I'm more upset about this than I am about the Penguins missing the playoffs. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but... We're going to do something called Fired or Free From It. Which of these front office slash coaching members will take the brunt of the consequences of this season and of this fact that they've missed the playoffs? Let's start with Ron Hextall, Horwat. Is he fired or is he free from it? Uh, He's got to be fired. Got to be. There's already a lot of discussion. I mean, the second the Islanders won last night, there was already tweets of, he should be fired by morning. (laughs) And... They're not totally wrong. I, 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 ex- I at least expect them to get out immediate or to get out of uh, locker room clean out day, and then we'll see what happens in the following forty eight hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what is going to happen this off season. There's going to be. We thought last off season was a, a transformative off season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. This off season could uh, match, if not become, way more of a, a, a time of change. If, for the Pittsburgh Penguins, yeah, I, I I do I do concur that Ron Hextall is probably the first person that's going to be, you know, fired because of this. I would imagine. Yeah. So here's the other thing too, as it's starting to get uh, spread around because um, Frank Saravalli put it up probably just a couple minutes ago um, that <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, in one of his stories he just put up, sources said there were strong indications Fenway Sports Group was beginning to put the wheels in motion for a complete change in Penguins leadership, which likely also includes President of Hockey Operations Brian Burke. So, the wheels may already be in motion for this move of Hextall and Berkey taking the plunge. All I ask is that they wait to do it until this episode is up and has some decent numbers. Like I said, I would assume it <laughs> let will. Us, let us let it be after the season, which yeah. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you they're not going to fire them right before the last game of the year. No, if, no. I, like I said, I bet they get past locker room clean out day and they go from there. If the wheels are already in motion, it might be tomorrow morning. 
That's fair because, too. A... Because why are you going to trot the GM out there that you're planning on firing to answer questions about the future of this franchise? Because I'm because I can. I would assume and probably hope that a lot of the questions he gets asked are about this season. True. I would because we don't because um, let's be honest. Everyone in that media room, we are all pretty much well aware and want to see him not come back this next year, right? So I don't even think there would be too many questions about the future of this team. I'm sure there might be a couple, but I'm sure they're going to start with, if you're still here. I'm <laughs> sure everyone wants to... I don't I don't know if people are going to blatantly outright come out and say, you know, if you still have a job, what are you planning on doing there, Ronnie? Uh, I can see, I, I, I I can do, see myself I, I do think. letting that one fly on accident. But, <laughs> uh, but that being said, no, I, I just don't foresee a ton of questions regarding the future when he ta- if he when and if he takes the stand um i do the expect she's putting him on trial oh, he's gotta go to the podium he's on stand um yeah. and yes pretty much because it will be his because let's be real the players yes didn't perform but he was the one that put most of them together he's on stand yeah. he's on trial here we have to know what he thought of this season because how many times did he say we like our team we like our team on paper we think we're a stanley cup contender here we are on the outside looking in but about to play a meaningless game 82 he might you're right he might not make it to clean out day but still there's a lot of things that need to happen yeah uh the decision making that he is portrayed over this past season or really his his entire tenure here in Pittsburgh has been highly questionable at pretty much every turn. The only move that he has made that has had a positive outcome at this moment is trading for slash signing Ricard Raquel. Yep. Yeah, that's the biggest one. The core is another, but I think anyone in the right mind would have done that, you hope. Yeah, that's the free space. I think we've mentioned that before. That was the free space. It is... But we have to remember how close Malkin was to leaving. Oh, yeah, but he, he almost messed that up, especially considering what Malkin's been able to turn around and do this yeah. season. But he didn't, so I'm not going to hold it against him. Mm-hmm. Although it was handled poorly, uh, he got the job done yeah. You know, in that instance. So, yeah, you brought the core back. That's the free space. You also re-signed and, and acquired Ricard Raquel. That's the one that I will say, okay, cool. There's there's your golden goose right there, but you also missed the playoffs, which kind of wipes that out of really any any reasonable issues there. But you mentioned Brian Burke there as well. I do believe, and I, I concur with that reporting, that if Hextall is gone, Burke is gone as well. They came in as a package deal. They're going to go out as a package deal, especially considering maybe Fenway Sports Group knows whose fingers have been on which triggers for which, you know, roster moves, which contracts, which trades. Nobody else does, right? And I would imagine that Brian Burke is not going to sit there and watch Ron Hextall and not agree with the moves that he's making. He's his direct superior. So I don't think he's going to sit there and give Hextall carte blanche, especially when some of the moves have gone as as poorly as they have. I don't think he would have continued to sit there. And, And you talk about you know, the longevity of this, which has only been two years, I don't think he would have sat there at the trade deadline and let Hextall do what he did there if he didn't already have his stamp of approval. Probably, but it's just such an awkwardly built team. 
Yeah. I got, yeah. I got nothing much. So I think we both say that uh, Burke and Hextall are fired and not free from it. Yeah. As much as I threw that idea out um, probably two weeks ago at this point of Burke stepping in as GM just because it's an in-house maneuver and sometimes those are easy. Mm-hmm. I, I just I don't see that happening either anymore. Don't know why or how, but like, eh. Yeah, who, what, what, he, I don't know what he did this year. No one knows what he did this year. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's certainly interesting. That's probably going to be the lead story going into the summer because you can't do anything else until you figure that out. Um, but there's there's plenty of stuff player-wise, contract-wise, that, that is going to need to be figured out this summer. They're going to need an overhaul in that bottom six. They're going to need to change some things up on the defense. What's going to happen to the goaltending? How many of the top six are returning? Like, do you end up trading one of Rust or Raquel, or how does that work out? I know that's not something that people want to broach, but that's the subject that is probably going to come up this summer because they're going to need flexibility to be able to try to recreate something of a playoff contender around Malkin, Crosby, and Latang. So... That's obviously all for the offseason, but before we even get to that, the question and the decision has to be made about Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. But there's other people as well that could be on the line here. One of them, and I've seen it a couple times, Mike Sullivan, the head coach of this team, probably considered the best head coach in this team's history when it comes to what he's been able to do over time. I think everybody holds Badger Bob Johnson to a very high standard, despite him only being here for one year for unfortunate circumstances, of course. Uh, We all know what ended up happening there, and we we wish we could have seen what happened with Badger Bob Johnson over a longer period of time, but we just weren't afforded that time. But Mike Sullivan, does he get fired this summer, or is he free from it? And then when does he become hot seat eligible is what I'm going to say. If he's not fired this summer. So the the idea that he signed a contract extension, to me, I could be totally wrong about this, but to me means he's not going to be on a hot seat until that deal starts. Something about firing a guy before his contract even kicks in Um doesn't sound right or fit well in my head like i said i don't know what the ramifications are for firing a guy before his contract starts so i think at this juncture he's free he is going to be back next year for a couple different reasons one of them being that contract two fenway sports group loves the guy i think Mm. i think they if i'm not mistaken when they came in they said there are two names that are safe Sidney Crosby and Mike Sullivan. At the time, that was a wild statement because Sullivan could have been on a hot seat then. And now, you know, he kind of recouped his assets. He showed that he is still a very good coach. He should have been Jack Adams' winner last year. Forgot about that one, didn't you guys? This season was a little more stubbornness from him, but he had to play the cards he was dealt perfectly understandable at the same time maybe having a little more a little more push this way or that way um i don't foresee sullivan going anywhere i think he's free i don't think he's uh, the hot the seat might be warm i don't see the hot seat kicking in until the new contract starts though just because Mm -hmm. contracts i don't know what you can and cannot do It is now five seasons for Mike Sullivan without a playoff series win. 
You're this right. for a guy that started his career with the Pittsburgh Penguins with nine straight playoff series victories, including two Stanley Cups, of course. So I don't think he's absolved from this. He's he's obviously taking heat in the fan base. He's obviously taking heat in the media. But there's something that you said there that harkens back to a conversation that we had probably a month ago. You said he had to play the hand that he was dealt. Still think there's a chance you see him become the dealer. I still think there's a chance that, yes, Fenway Sports Group loves him. They said he's very safe whenever they came in. I don't know if he has interest in this. Nobody's going to know because I don't think anybody's going to ask him that question when he's currently the head coach of an NHL hockey team. But I don't think he's fired this offseason. I don't think he's done being the bench boss of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Of course, he still has four more years to go in his contract. But that contract could be restructured to make him the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Because he's still one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League. Whether or not he's had a good performance this season or not, he still remains one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League. And I understand, we've seen some of the better coaches in the NHL get fired in recent years. Bruce Cassidy from Boston comes to mind last season, and look what they were able to do with a new voice there. I do think that this locker room needs a new voice, but I do think Mike Sullivan should remain with the organization. Now, if he has interest in it, I listen, it's hard to tell if he's going to be a good general manager but usually good coaches have good hockey minds which means they're good player evaluators right so with barry trotz heading to the front office of the nashville predators next season i could foresee in the next couple of seasons maybe as early as next season mike sullivan makes the move to the front office after next year as dual dual title or just just GM? as general manager I, okay. I i don't think i don't think in the modern era you're going to see somebody be coach gm Okay, that's, that's going to happen. Yeah, that's but he's going gonna... to probably pick his successor. <clears throat> Excuse me, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Todd Reardon. That's but what I, I was also don't think. I also don't think it should be Todd Reardon. No. But uh, that's a discussion for whenever this hypothetical situation comes to fruition, if it does. But I, I could see Mike Sullivan going from somebody who has to deal with the the deck he was dealt to being the dealer in general. That's. I really like that now. You're right. I do think that is I don't I don't know how it would work out, but I could see that being a possibility considering how much Fenway Sports Group has backed Sullivan since he came here and still the fact that they do need a new voice in that locker room. Yeah. I don't totally hate the idea. It's It would take some moving and shaking. It would take some convincing, I'm sure. Um <laughs> just tell Mike, "Hey, it's less media availability." I'm sure he's all for it already. Um <laughs> And we all know that Mike Sullivan wanted Jacob Chickren on this team. He did, yeah. As for how much Ron Hextall wanted him on this team, we'll never know. But I mean, that already goes to that already tells him Mike Sullivan's a better player evaluator than Hextall, right? Just that right there, that one, that one instance of Mike Sullivan saying, "Hey, this guy," rather than the guys you gave me, that already tells me he's a better player evaluator. Now, obviously, scouts go into that conversation too, mm-hmm. but um, that's those are those are small names uh, that do big roles that we don't understand and don't know who's going what, where, who, how, when, why. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, I would say, yeah, Mike Sullivan as GM is an interesting statement and something down the line I could see. I like it, but he's going to be around next year's coach. That's for sure. Yeah, he he will be the head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins next season. 
Like, who, no matter who comes in as general manager, they're not going to get the green light to fire Mike Sullivan. That's not going to happen. No. No, they're and, he, and um, really, he shouldn't be. I think he. I think he's still one of the best coaches in the league. Was he a little stubborn this year? Yeah, it, just a hard year. But, I mean, he's a year removed from from what should have been legitimate Jack Adams contention. So, Yeah, people will point to the, you know, the Jeff Carter situation, the Mikel Granlin situation, but was really realistically able to take one of those guys out? Like, was Teddy Bluger that much better than Jeff Carter? No, he never was this season. Was Ryan Paling? Not until the end of the year. Like, you can look at it right now and say, yeah, Ryan Paling's much better than Jeff Carter. He is now. Now that he's He wasn't all season. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't like that all season. So, you know, it, it's a tough situation that Sullivan was placed in. Do I think he handled it perfectly? No, I, I think he made several mistakes this season. Uh, and I think just in general that the message might be running a little stale with this current group of players. But we'll see what happens next season. I, I do think that he's still a hockey mind that the Penguins would benefit from having around. And I do think that in that capacity, it, it's difficult to say whether or not Jacob Chickren would have been the best move. But I can tell you right now that Jacob Chickren would have been a better move than all three of the moves the Penguins made. Like Kulikov, Bonino, and Granlund. None of the three of them made any impact. And while Chickren did get injured when he went over to Ottawa, you can never you can never really tell that. But knowing in Sullivan's case that, hey, what's going to be easier? Fixing an entire bottom six or getting a top-pairing defenseman and trying to make sure that we give up less goals per game to allow our top six to take things over. That's that's the mindset that I would I would align with, and that's the mindset that it seems like Mike Sullivan had. Going into the trade deadline, he just wasn't in a position to do anything about it. Yeah, let's also not forget, Ron Hextall wanted to trade away two first-round picks and Jason Zucker for JT Miller. Before an $8 million, before an $8 million full no-move clause contract kicks in. Yeah. We didn't discuss that enough, by the way. That's a discussion for next episode all of a sudden, but we didn't talk about that enough because I don't want JT Miller anywhere near this team. That's just me. I don't care how many points he scores. $8 million. Not with, the, not with that contract. Yeah, yeah, not with that contract. Not with that contract. And not getting rid of Jason Zucker and two firsts for it. You're getting rid of two firsts for someone else. And you're not getting rid of Jason Zucker. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, now that that little... That could be a whole discussion for another day. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it, it, that could be... You know, we're going to have some some slow times in July. That we'll, we'll probably break in that July, one out. We're going to have slow times next week. Uh, there's still the playoffs. We talk about the playoffs in this show because the playoffs in hockey are some of the greatest entertainment Go in Kings. the entire universe. But uh, Kings, Go come Kings. on. Literally the last of the teams that I want to... You know what? Islanders. The second to last team that I would like to see raise the cup is the Kings. Why? They're fun this year. They're not a boring defensive team care. anymore. They're the least fun still of that entire Western Conference. That's very not true. Didn't Nashville make it in? No. No? Oh no, they were like about to lose out. That's right. Who did? I'm pretty sure it? Winnipeg made it instead. That could be interesting. Exactly. So well, this is a conversation we can have off the air, but that's going to do it for this episode. We're not going to talk about Volucci and Reardon because they kind of follow with Sullivan. If Sullivan stays, I see both of them potentially leaving. But you know, if if my psychic powers work and Mike Sullivan ends up being the general manager, I could definitely see uh, Todd Reardon being the guy tabbed to replace him. Yeah. So. That's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. One last game, guys. We'll uh, watch it. Have fun with it. Some of us might watch the Pirates instead. But that's going to do it for this one. Yeah. It's going to do it for this one. We will see you guys next time.